0: Your next game is going to be built for combat. And here's why. In this episode, we're finding answers to why are the Warforged of Eberron so tempting to play? And how do we build a Warforged with some richness? And what sweet aftermarket mods can you slap on your machine persons? (laughs) Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm his brother, Travis. Travis. So, Warforged are deeply interesting. They're cool as fuck. They're unique. They're tough as nails. Because they're like 84% recycled nails, right? (laughs) Yes, that's what their armor is made out of. They're more custom-built than all the cars in Fast and Furious, and potentially more tragic and troubled than Dominic Toretto's backstory. Excellent. Absolutely. (laughs) You would think... From all of that, that we'd seen the Fast and Furious movies recently, but we have not. (laughs) No, not at all. That just sprung from the font of the collective. Your brain is full of movies, and sometimes it leaks out. (laughs) It squeezes out the (laughs) holes. I can't help it. You want to watch another movie tonight, and you got to throw out some old movie information. (laughs) You could purge the old (laughs) movie knowledge to make room for new. But focusing on the Warforged again... When you're building one, you risk falling into the pit of robot jokes, of, yeah. of just thinking they're a robot to play in D&D. Yeah, and I've seen this a dozen times or more, and the character just becomes flat. Like, you do all of the cool robot stuff, and then the jokes kind of start playing themselves out. and The novelty? Yeah, the novelty of playing this really interesting character if it's not focused on you can lose it really quickly it's kind of related to the lone wolf character as like i'll be the quiet robotic one yeah (laughs) and then you get into the game you're like actually this kind of sucks i never speak (laughs) yeah well all right confession time cool i know jack shit about eberron all right I never really got into it. It was not... I mean, what's interesting is that a lot of the themes and a lot of the vibe of Eberron is right up my alley. Like, it's kind of stuff that I find very cool. I think maybe I was always just focused on my own homebrew worlds that I never really needed written ones. That's totally fair. I think there's definitely a point to be made if you're into that homebrew lifestyle to at least consider the strengths of a world like Eberron, because it's pretty cool and you can probably suck some stuff into your own games. Yeah. And thus, I've never... This also was kind of challenging. I've never played a Warforged because I never knew enough about Eberron to really back any of it up. And so I felt a little weird about dipping my toes into Warforged because of that. Am I allowed to do this episode? Um... (laughs) I'd say yes, because I agree, technically you've never played a Warforged, but your characters are often unintentionally inspired by Warforged nonetheless. Consider Seven, your human rogue that learned the art of combat and survival by growing up in a prison, learning that the most powerful must be taken down to prevent his story from being retold. Built for war. Okay, war forged, you might say, (laughs) or Zerus, the Goliath that was raised to be a weapon of war by the Drow, now on the surface, discovering himself and his potential. You're exposing all of my terribly cliched characters. (laughs) No, they're not terribly cliched, but they're they're fun to play for that reason, and they have so much in common with why the Warforged is fun to play. Mm. which is what we'll dive into in this episode. Vindication. Thank you. So you're allowed to listen to me talk about Eberron. So walk me through the basics of Eberron, if the basics are somewhat of a primer to understand the Warforged. Yes. And we're going to spend this whole episode diving into Warforged. So catch me up on what's happening over in Eberron. Will do. And I'll just say before I get into this that This episode is lore light. We're not going to spend much time talking about this. We're mostly interested in how to play a Warforged really well. So that being said, some basics of the Eberron world. It's got themes of noir, gray morality, with regrets and debts being common for players and other characters. Oof. See, I like this. Yeah. I'm into it. The era is one just after a massive, long, all-encompassing war where a very unstable peace has formed between the nations. So this is kind of like post-World War II, which ironically is kind of the noirish era as well. Totally. And, and just stretch out World War II to be like 30 decades or something like that. That's not accurate, <laughs> but it was long. <laughs> Got it. Not a numbers guy. You've got dragon marks, which are hereditary arcane symbols that appear on people that bestow power to those born with them. The idea being you've got these powerful families that some of the children are born with dragon marks and they can do crazy stuff. Neat. Okay. You've got magic-driven technology. So high-level magic is pretty rare, but low-level magic is super common. And it's more or less industrialized, resulting in things like airships and rail transport and just people in the streets playing with magic like all being yeah like that all of the industrialization that happened after the war is pretty much all fueled by magic. Yeah, exactly. And all that industrialization of course like our real history was inspired by the needs of war. Got it. The mornlands is a pretty major feature. A city was completely wiped off the map by something unknown in a single day. It was a very chaotic event called the Morning, and pretty much everybody died, and that area is now a dangerous wasteland full of creatures from some dark place. I, too, hate the mornings. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it was based on. (laughs) Got it. Monday mornings. This weird event contributed to the unstable peace that existed after the war because... Nobody knows who done it and if they're going to strike again. Wow. So like they think maybe it's one of the other nations so I don't want to keep fighting them or they'll mourning me. <laughs> and that's all that's creating this piece. I think there's more to it. And it resulted in new playable races in D&D including the warforged, one of those magic-driven technologies resulting from the war that were created to fight in this giant war exactly their sole purpose well now that all of that's out of the way let's hop into the kinship camp where we can dive into more about how to role play these characters this is kinship camp where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventurers around the safety of the fire everyone's got their reasons for loving warforged But mine is basically just so much fun stuff to roleplay with. So we just did an Eberron recap. Here's your Warforged recap, Travis. Yes, please. They're sentient beings made from wood, metal, and magical hydraulic stuff. Any particular kind of wood? Is it mostly bamboo or like a balsa? Well, it can be if that's what you want. (laughs) Balsa doesn't sound super strong to me. (laughs) You might not want to go with plywood for sure. (laughs) Your Warforged might not turn out super great. I'm held together with mostly glue. That's my unique ability. (laughs) I could fall apart as soon as it rains. (laughs) But Warforged have tons of specific Eberron lore. Here's the parts that I find super interesting. They were created as objects of warfare. Their sentience was a single event, meaning that there's essentially one generation of Warforged. Interesting. Their sentience is undefined, meaning there's no clear source of where this sentience came from basically nobody knows how long they're gonna be this way or even live for so to me that says there's a lot to play with here yeah there's a ton to kind of explore in that they were all created for different individual purposes which i think is cool yeah there's a lot of jobs in waging war and now i think they kept changing the lore to be like they were all created as a batch so they're all exactly the same but i prefer all created for individual purposes And they were recently created and have little experience with having a mind. I think that's juicy to play with, too. That's a ton of fun. I mean, in that short list, there are so many different tropes that you can really fall back on and play up. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of the times with these episodes, we take like a culture building approach to these different beings of the world of D&D. But based on what I just said about Warforged, that doesn't really feel right because they don't really have a core culture. They all just came to being brainy people. Yeah, so like the Warforged are not going to have the deep and rich traditions of, say, like dwarves. Yeah, absolutely not. They're just starting to meet other Warforged. Like they don't (laughs) even know each other. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting to kind of pull apart. I can see why we would have a very difficult time trying to do a culture creation (laughs) episode. Out of a whole bunch of individuals. So what the hell are we going to do? <laughs> Don't worry, I thought of this. We're going to talk about the role play opportunities for your characters based on the elements that I mentioned. So we're going to unravel some of these tropes. Exactly. I mean, starting with the first one, which is that they were weapons and now it's peacetime. Like every one of them was created as a weapon. Yeah. And now nobody's fighting. And now what the hell do you do? Yeah, that's a tough uh, pivot. That's the I am not a gun trope or the living weapon trope. That's the being left over as a discarded piece of equipment kind of vibe. Like it gives a lot of, you know, even veteran vibes of something truly horrific. Yeah. You know, it's what am I supposed to do now? You were trained for combat and after combat, nobody needs you. And I'm not sure how, uh, you know, widespread it is, but I... Recall reading an article that was about how many true military veterans go into some form of public service after combat, because it's what they're really good at. They're out there. They're ready to serve their community. And it would be really interesting to explore all of those different feelings within a Warforged of, hey, I was a weapon and I may or may not want to be. yeah. I mean, there's some of them that may even define themselves as a weapon. Some Warforged are probably okay leaning in and using that to whatever needs they have. But that one vein is pretty deep and rich alone, is the, yeah, I'm not a gun trope. You've got some great examples from media that I know we both love. Like you've got the classic Iron Giant. Oh, that was totally, a uh, yeah, I am not a gun. That was exactly the theme of that movie. You've got Lilo and Stitch. (laughs) I argue that Stitch was very much a Warforged. Yep. Yeah, he was built for destruction and doesn't know what to do with all of his pent-up energies. Exactly. And you've got characters like Wolverine. He was kind of designed. Yeah. Took his natural abilities and they wanted to push it further for war. Totally. You could play a Warforged Weapon X. Yeah, easy. And that that character arc that I think is really satisfying from those examples and from this trope are, you know, you're seeking to help others rather than harm others. You go from being ignorant of the possibilities for your life to being enlightened to something, not to everything, but, you know, you find a new purpose. You could even, you know, go from enjoying causing carnage, start from a dark place (laughs) to understanding that it causes pain for others. And you don't really want to do that. It's just you were literally designed for this carnage. Yeah, there is a lot there that you could kind of unpack. And I can see the parallels now that you've pointed out within my character. (laughs) Good. Yeah, maybe you'll be able to uh, use a little bit of this in your characters. Well, that's exactly what we're going through in our campaign is that you know, my character is exploring some of this and he's churning, he's trying to actively be someone else. And we're talking about Zaris, your Goliath. Yeah. And I could imagine going from all of that feeling of power and and chaos and war to the quiet and peaceful existence might be a difficult transition to explore, but one that some might want to pursue. Some serious internal conflict going on between, you know, I want peace. But it's very unsettling for me right now. Mm -hmm. Being in combat makes me comfortable because I understand it. Being in a quiet place by a riverside is like, (laughs) what's going to attack me next? I don't know. Well, Um, that alone, you could play up within your party every time you're out of combat. Like you could play two different sides of the same character and have that always be at odds. And there is definitely a character journey within there. Yeah, exactly. Some other traits that I think you could pepper in there are like you're doing, Travis. You're hesitant to cause violence. It's interesting playing a fighter that wants to not fight. Yeah. And that's more internal conflict. Every time you get into a fight, your character has something to feel and say about it. You could, you know, pursue an interest in other more peaceful hobbies and pursuits. (laughs) Uh, Zaris Gardens. Yeah, he's getting into (laughs) taking care of plants. Or or in that vein, you could also take an interest in culture or the arts or philosophy. Damn it, he's doing all of these things. <laughs> I'm playing right into your tricks. Yes, or I'm just basing this on your character. But I think for me, if I were to play a Warforged, I think it'd be really fun to go down that philosophy road. Like play a Warforged that's becoming a philosopher, mm-hmm. like learning about the different ways that people think about the world. And think about war and, and combat and struggle and strife and pain. Yeah. All of those things are very philosophical conversations that one might have with oneself after you've been decommissioned as a, as a machine of war. Yeah. And, you know, I might play it as like a, a young philosopher, like somebody in the real world that's fresh out of high school and very confident in all of their philosophical assertions. <laughs> Each new one that they learn is like, whoa, you guys know about this? Well, and then, you know, kind of spouts off about the thing that they learned in their philosophy 101 course. Yeah, exactly. And on the DM side of the table, you've got some real story possibilities. You've got the being hunted by someone that wants to harness their power. Yeah, like those characters have skills that are highly sought after by very bad people. Yeah, for sure. Everyone wants a Warforged on their team. And this is for kind of the other players at the table. If you fear the power of a warforged, then that can create some interesting dynamics like, oh, you're a machine built for war. I'm going to travel with you. But like, I'm afraid you've got this uncontrollable ability to kill. Maybe. I don't know. For a lot of characters, you fear the rogue for their inherent ability to steal your shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's just nabbing the coin purse off of your (laughs) belt loop. This thing literally was only built to kill other people. Yeah. And that could be a, a cool character journey to explore on its own. Yeah. With other players at the table. That's really neat. I mean, going back to your suggestion about creating a character that wants to harness your power. These are things that we would want to do in our character creation because DMs love this shit when you can provide them an antagonist for your character that they can use when they need to. Yeah, they can easily build an adventure around. So the other trope that kind of jumps to mind, we've talked about the I am not a gun. The next one is that like dying race trope. Creatures that were built for one generation and their only existence has been a recent one. And maybe they were crafted or created that kind of thing there's a lot of examples of like not just the one generation kind of trope but the race has been around for a long time and this is its final stand Mm. one of my favorite examples of that is uh if you played mass effect you've got the krogan yes the krogan were great characters those were totally warforged yeah they were literally big beefy tanks that their whole thing was throw numbers at the enemy yeah yeah they were just built for combat yeah that's what they love to do they were all chemically sterilized so that they couldn't create any more of them yeah their numbers were brought down to one in a thousand yeah oh man that was some deep heavy shit in that game it was and like it it hit me pretty hard there was a lot to explore and a lot of morally gray spaces within that yeah absolutely like as as somebody playing that game you had to make some very heavy decisions and you've also got you know star trek who they bumped into dying races like every fifth episode or so i think (laughs) (laughs) and like save them from the brink which totally goes against the prime directive (laughs) yeah but they break the prime directive every second decision that they make because they gotta help people Picard just has a (laughs) coin that he flips and he's like, am I going to break the prime directive this episode? Pretty much. They seem like really nice people. I should probably save them. (laughs) But pulling from this trope, you've got character goals like seeking a solution to the theoretical end of the warforge. That could be your whole thing. Boy of noble challenges to take on as a warforge. Yeah. That's up there near the tippy top. And that's when the DM has to be like, oh, you mean I have to come up with a a reason that the Warforged are no more? I have to answer this mystery so you can solve it. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Or you could do, you know, you're seeking the best place in the world for yourself since nothing you do matters for your kind. Oof. Very selfish, very like nihilistic. Boy, and again, just more morally gray things. Is it is it a sense of nihilism or is it a sense of I'm going to do the best with the time that I have? Exactly right. You could take it to either extreme. God, there's so much to explore in there. And I really would like to play out that character arc of like being super selfish and turning to realize that you're actually a part of something more than just the Warforged and what you do matters to others. yeah. That would be a lot of fun. The other part that strikes me is really interesting to delve into in the role play is that whole thing about where their sentience came from. You said that that's still a mystery to all of the Warforge. Nobody understands why they gained sentience. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I might be wrong about this because, again, the lore changed at some point, but I'm pretty sure the official lore is that there was some kind of a creation forge and nobody knew exactly how it worked but they knew how to work it okay so it's like if you found a piece of technology and you were like wow this makes guns cool <laughs> there's instructions here for how to make guns i don't understand it but i'll make some guns Hmm. and with that sentience there's a lot of things to explore about why could you imagine that the warforged would create their own god theory absolutely That'd be a real easy thread to pull at. And also going from nothing to everything to being on the same intellectual level and that same ability to make decisions that you never had before all at once would be like recovering a lost memory or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you could play this character just like Jason Bourne. Of the born identity and such films and books. <laughs> yeah, Legacy, Supremacy, Ultimatum, Constipation. Uh, yeah, there's a few others. Some of those are right. <laughs> Maybe not all of them. Those are all great films. And I'll be honest, I would see The Born Constipation. <laughs> might be a thriller, might be a knock out of the park kind of story. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you could do that with your Warforged. Don't. <laughs> The, the constipation thing was still on that yes <laughs> but yeah I, I think it'd be fun to play up a character that's got abilities that they're unaware of like oh I thought you were going to the the memory loss and like the regaining of memories but you're talking about literally unlocking all of your new abilities which is built into character progression yeah there's that for sure for sure it'd be cool to have that yeah just snap to sentience and you don't even like you learn that you're a warforged But you don't know what you can do yet. And that totally you like you're right on. That's a really good way to explain the level ups. Yeah, it'd be interesting learning how to be a person because that would be your first instinct as a new online warforged is, well, I'll just copy those around me. This seems like what I should be doing. And then when the waiter brings you your coffee, you break his fucking arm. (laughs) You're like, "Ah, I don't know why I did that. Whoopsie doodle. I thought you were a threat. <laughs> you had a hot beverage in your hands. And... <laughs> that's, a, that's a weapon. <laughs> it says right on it, caution. Oh, no, you're going to be one of those. That's a weapon. <laughs> Break your arm. But you could also take it in the opposite direction and then do what kind of the trope that we've seen a lot of people do is, but actually, you know, dive a little deeper, which is that robot kind of a mindset. And I know it seems super simple, but bear with me for a second. Okay. Because if you if you played them as having more of a mechanical mind that is learning to be human through some kind of, you know, AI kind of magic. Yeah. Then they're not going to have some of those human traits. Like they're not going to... They didn't evolve in a way that encourages survival when considering living in communities or, you know, desiring procreation. Hmm. They're not an evolved creature, which means... They're thinking about other stuff and maybe they're becoming more like humans in ways that are important to that individual warforged. But some of the things that you could play up as having an AI mindset are a lack of some of the psychological traits shared among humans, dwarves and elves. So we've got the understanding of irony could be fun. They don't understand it. Yep. I mean, if you wanted to, to just have a comic relief line, you could do the whole Drax the Destroyer who doesn't understand metaphor, takes everything <laughs> literally. Yeah, This one was pretty interesting to me that you could have your Warforged not have the trait of metacognition, which is basically our ability to think about our thoughts. I was reading an article about AI and how humans and AI are different. And humans can consider if a decision is right or wrong before we make it, Whereas AI makes a decision and then evaluates its efficiency afterwards. They're confident, incredibly confident. In making a decision. Yeah. Snap decisions are made with the best information available, but there's never any self-doubt there. Playing a Warforged that is extremely confident in the leaping off of the cliff towards the dragon of certain (laughs) death, and then when it gets an arm lopped off, it considers that last action and goes i should have taken a different approach i will next time yeah and they can like load those new memories in kind of thing they won't do dumb things all the time they'll learn from their mistakes but when they encounter a new situation confidently act i like that yeah especially in like social situations i can see it being very fun too (laughs) and i think this one this one would be my personal comic relief for my warforged storytelling So I think it'd be fun to have a Warforged that couldn't grasp the subtleties of storytelling and told terrible anecdotes with no discernible point. Oh, you are going to be (laughs) so welcome at that table. (laughs) They'll be short. I'm not going to like drone on. But here's my format. You got the story hook, the unrelated detail, and the lack of an ending. So here's my example. I was once about to fight with a bandit. There was a stone on the edge of the road. It was red and I broke it with my hand. Good, good. <laughs> oh, boy. Dumb. yep. I already love it. Tell that around the campfire. and I love that character. <laughs> do you? No. <laughs> I do. I want to punch him in the face. I once found a powerful magic weapon. Then I heard somebody say they needed to go to the bathroom. I do not understand human physiology. <laughs> so you are now going into game <laughs> sessions, brainstorming these terrible stories. Yeah. Oh, totally. Hmm. Excellent. I think I can get good enough to do these on the fly in response to other characters. And especially laying them out when everyone's talking about how dire the situation is right now (laughs) and sharing that they want to go home and see their family or they're afraid of the outcome of this next battle. uh, And your character shares what they think is relevant, (laughs) but is completely irrelevant. Exactly. I like it. Thank you. You know, I think the final one that really does strike me is this learning to be a thing. It kind of smacks of a coming of age like story. Yeah, I think that could be a really powerful kind of story to tell with a Warforged because they're learning everything about themselves all at once. And they're growing into their own responsibilities and understanding where their place is in the world. It feels very teen drama. It could be. That could be a real blast to play, like in a very different direction than you typically think of with the Warforged. Absolutely. If you wanted to go down that path, you could have their arc be changing their worldview from like naive to enlightened about something. Going from black and white thinking like a Warforged is probably trained to be like that enemy bad. You good. Yeah. Kill bad. To a more, you know, gray understanding of the world. Understanding that there's subtle nuances to everything. Yeah. Well, and the final one is just, you know, finding that purpose in the world. How lost might your Warforged be when they join the party? And how connected do they feel to their own party members and to the world at large? After venturing out and seeing people and places and families and spaces and... Understanding that all of them are threatened by the hazards of this world that you're living in. Yeah, and you have a real capability to help them. Creating, one might say, one of the best, most selfless heroes you could possibly create. Yeah, and one more fun little angle on this that uh, strikes me as great is that they could be easily influenced by their mentors or allies. So consider that a Warforged is brand new to this world, (laughs) And they need someone to guide them through it. Oh, no. So they're going to probably have a strong reaction one way or another to the morality of their party members and the life perspectives of their party members. Well, where my mind went in how your Warforge could potentially take everything very literally, like we've already discussed, doesn't understand subtleties. And what really happens when you get two very different characters in front of your Warforged. Let's say the rogue is present. Yeah. The kind of shit that a rogue could get a Warforged to do without question because they assume (laughs) that their own party member wouldn't be such a shithead that they would lie to them. Yeah. Or vice versa. You've got the cleric sitting on the other side. Exactly. Very much like a demon devil on the shoulder kind of situation. Well, even a cleric to say... Hey, this is my god and they are the most powerful being. Holy shit. How big is their arm cannon? That must be huge. What kind of specs are we looking at? <laughs> How many battlefields can they clear at once? No, you're you're not getting this. I like it. Well, that gives us a lot to work with, I think, in terms of a war-forged and their motivations and their interests and all of those kind of things. Yeah. Like, I've got a dozen personalities I could start with for my next Warforged, for sure. But I wonder if there is still a value to jumping into how we might build a Warforged. This is honestly just as fun for me. The potential of a Warforged mechanics, like on paper and the way that they look, it's just like you can do whatever you want, as long as your (laughs) DM allows it, of course. It's a rich vein. I mean, it can look any which way, it can behave any which way, and it can be any shape or size. So let's maybe dive into that and save that for the extra dimensional gateway. This is the extra dimensional gateway where unique heroes from strange alternate realities are recruited. So in trying to find some additional components I mean, the coolest thing about any machine, like I do to motorcycles and other people do to cars, you want to modify them. (laughs) Yes. You want to make them yours. Yeah. You want to strap new parts on. And the coolest part about playing a machine is that you get to slap some sweet spoilers. Yeah. Get some bigger wheels on that Warforge. (laughs) Some (laughs) big old stomper tires. Some cool rims. So... A quick search yields lots of different ideas for items and upgrades to Warforged. So, it made us consider, again, another great shortcut to creating a character that's easier to roleplay is to model it after something that you're already familiar with. Yeah. So, we thought we'd take turns trying to model and figure out which abilities and components we would need to create some of our favorite characters. Yes, our our absolute top warforged-ish characters from <laughs> movies and TV, loosely warforged. <laughs> so don't get at us about how they're not actually warforged. <laughs> all of the items and add-ons and attunements and magical weaponry that we're about to talk about all come from warforged components which is a supplement that's available on the DMs Guild by Walrock Homebrew. We'll definitely post a link for you. Yeah. So the first character that I would dive into is, of course, what we've kind of hinted at throughout this entire episode, the pinnacle of Warforge, the exact template for it, which would be the Iron <laughs> Giant. Oh, yeah. We didn't dance around it. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. If you didn't cry during that movie, you're a monster. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I was a big blubbery mess. Yeah. The route that I would take with the Iron Giant, this is just one person's opinion, but I would probably say that I would go with a fighter arcane archer because he had all those like blasters and stuff. That makes sense. I mean, he was pretty straight down the middle. He could fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he could blast stuff from a great range. (laughs) Yeah. So I would probably throw an arm cannon at him, which is one of the items from this supplement. Which is basically a radiant damage blaster. Very cool. Classic. Classic robot ability. Blast them out of the sky with some beams of whatever energy. (laughs) Radiant. It's radiant damage. (laughs) Yeah, but it's kind of like whatever you want it to be. Mystery weapon. Yeah. All right. Well, I mentioned this one too because it's such a great character from a great movie. Lilo and Stitch. Totally. Of course, it's Stitch, not Lilo. (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about how lilo was a a machine of death yeah so yeah his whole little story was that he was you know genetically engineered to be a a super powerful tool of war okay what would you spec stitch as i would go with a monk because you gotta have that fast movement speed Uh uh-huh I think that ability that monks have to not take falling damage is a cherry on the cake. Totally. And of course, you got Unarmed Strikes. He's a little ball of fury. (laughs) (laughs) Grabs and punches and bites and kicks. Yeah. (laughs) But I think I would uh, give him a level of bard. (laughs) because picked up playing Elvis pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. He can really turn on the charisma sometimes. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's definitely... That's great. And the upgrade I would give him is the arachnid chassis, what you had mentioned. (laughs) Because he was so good at scurrying around on walls. Yeah, he was always on the ceiling, (laughs) climbing like some kind of a lizard. Right on. Okay, well, in a similar but very different vein... I chose Gur from Invader Zim. Yes. This might sit a lot nicer in more of a comedic campaign. (laughs) For sure. And apologies if you haven't seen Invader Zim, but it's a great, weird series. If you've been inside a hot topic in the last 30 years, you've seen Gur. Yeah, for sure. So what would you build him as? I would spec him as a barbarian. Hmm. Doesn't lean into the natural side of it very much. No, but consider that every time he's given a command in the series, his eyes go red from their natural state of bluey green and he immediately follows commands. He's incredibly powerful. (laughs) But then as soon as his quote unquote rage ends, he's more of a hindrance than he is a help. Yeah, yeah. Which usually in the show takes like, A few moments where he's ready for combat but doesn't engage in it. (laughs) And gets distracted by something else or (laughs) he loses his rage. (laughs) That's great. The barbarian that never uses their (laughs) powers. Pretty much. Perfect. And I would actually, from this supplement, I would give him the essence of the scout, which basically increases your uh, ability to stay hidden because Ger disguised himself stupidly albeit very effectively, with a shitty dog costume. (laughs) And everyone just bought into, oh, that's a dog. And they never paid any attention to the fact that he was a death machine idiot robot. Yeah. Giant zipper up the back of the dog costume. Yeah. And again, for anyone that hasn't seen it, the reason he's a Warforged is because he was built to accompany Zim on his mission to take over the Earth And he was supposed to be a super effective, efficient (laughs) killing machine. But uh, they just dumped some random circuits in the top of his noggin. Yeah, his was defective. Defective Warforged. I love it. Okay, who's your final uh, who's your final character? Well, I'm going to twist it around and go back to kind of serious. We've got Data from Star Trek. Yes. Next generation. The android. Now he is a Warforged, clearly, because he fits the trope of Last of His Kind. He was the only one of his kind other than his brother <laughs> yep. who was made by the same creator. And he's got that whole trying to be human angle. Something went terribly interesting with him. Yeah. That nobody is able to explain why he has more interest in being human than everyone else. There's yeah. almost a seeming sentience there. For sure. Okay. He's an interesting character to try and turn into a Dungeons and Dragons character. Yes, Because he could be just about anything. I mean, he's super strong. He's super intelligent. He fills every role except the super charismatic character, which is filled by everyone else in the Star Trek party. (laughs) Which is kind of interesting because when I went to the greatest authority on D&D and Star Trek that I know, the GM Tim, friend of the show, great guy, is currently playing Star Trek online on his Twitch stream, Lost Voyages. Check that out if you want to, you know, be entertained with Star Trek stuff. Well, he's playing on Norse Foundry. Like, that's where all of his shows go. So you can check that out on the Norse Foundry Twitch as well. Absolutely. So what did he stat? He's a bard because he's got lots of information in the old dome. Okay. He knows the history of everything. And he's always trying to learn the arts. He's always learning instruments and learning to act in his quest to become more human. And Tim specifically said that he would be a low charisma bard because he never actually entertains people with that stuff. He just bores them. No, I recall the episode where he tried to take up stand up comedy and it was (laughs) abysmal. Exactly. So I think that fits pretty perfectly well that's uh yeah that's great uh what upgrade would you give him for him there's a few that could have applied but i liked battle visor which is that you can cast identify detect magic or see invisibility and not that he could like see invisible people but it just comes from the general vibe that he has of like i can look at that and i know what it is yeah no I, i dig that that's very good Again, you can find that entire supplement. It's called Warforged Components. It's on the DM's Guild. It's pay what you want. Very cool work. And Walra Brew has built a lot of other really cool supplements. So check them out on DM's Guild. In addition to that, please tell us what inspires your Warforged. Are there any other characters or ideas or, or what's your weird ass concept that nobody else could ever think of? Because weird character concepts are what I live for. And you can do that on our Discord, where you can also join some of the conversations that we have around this kind of stuff and also join all of the different patrons that call that place home. Absolutely. A massive thank you to those who currently patron us. Icy Spiders where there are none. Sean J. The Senate. Lucas D. Lila G. The GM Tim. Nevermore. Thomas W. Ty N. Heavy Arms. Eric R. Aldrist. Leprechaun. And will HP? thank you all so, so much for another fun episode that you helped us put together. We really appreciate it. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us or comment to us or tell us what you want to hear at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. You can join that awesome community of players and DMs always trading ideas that really give me a lot by joining the Discord. We do fun hangouts from time to time there where we share ideas with one another. And we would love to see you join us. Thanks, Thanks for listening. And, and slap a spoiler on games. that war forge. Yeah, give him some ground effects. Yeah.